And I'm Susie, and this is The Coaching Cast. We are the No Nonsense Podcast, chatting about the things impacting you at work right now, helping you to survive and thrive in today's ever-changing workplace. We discuss different topics each episode, sharing our ideas, our hints, and our top tips from our experiences of working in the corporate world, running our own businesses, and also being qualified coaches. We also try to have a few laughs along the way too, because taking yourself too seriously is just boring. So we really hope you enjoy listening. empowering those you work with the what the why and the how and we'll be sharing our top tips for you to try yourself so stay with us and enjoy so before we get into today's topic of empowering others Suze how has your week been hello um yeah, my week has been good, thank you. I was actually solo parenting last week. Oh, God. You're still <laughs> so... here. You survived it. <laughs> Just about. If you watched last week's episode on Toxic Bosses, you may have seen I kind of looked a slightly more dishevelled self, <laughs> and that's because I had zero time <laughs> to do anything else. Um. So, yeah, it was fine. I survived shout out to any solo parents out there because you do a phenomenal job I got a taste of it for a week and I was absolutely done in so yes big uh big love there but yeah um so I've been mainly kind of um spinning plates juggling lots of different plates going from kind of one thing to another but I survived and that's the main thing I'm sat here today (laughs) yes well done I don't know how you do it I don't know how anyone does it at all so any solo parents out there Jeez, I think I say it all the time. I can just about bear, I can just about look after myself and my dog, and that's about it. So anyone who looks after and keeps another human being alive, in my eyes, is a superhero. So yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah I've got um a few bags under the eyes, that's for sure. I feel like I've like aged quite a lot in the last week. <laughs> but and a lot of coffee has been consumed. Um, but yeah, all good. Um, big day today in my village where I'm where I live. Do you know why? Why? Tell us everyone. Tell Suze. So I can't speak. Suze, tell everyone. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited I can't speak. I'm stumbling over my words. Well, we've I've lived here for nearly 10 years. So it's nine years this year. And today our village gets its first fish and chip shop. Oh my it- goodness a big day today there's an opening there's a like a grand opening at 5 p.m where you can go and have like a taste of fish and chips and have a glass of prosecco (gasps) so you're going then um i'm not sure actually oh so you can't announce that there's there's a big event happening in the village the village has got its first fish and chip shops and you're not even going to go i know i know i should go really um um, yeah, no, I will go. I feel a bit bad now. I will Yeah, go. you should definitely go, even if it's just for the glass of Prosecco, <laughs> not the actual fish and chips. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, big news. This is big news in our village in Cheshire. Wow. Um, we haven't had a fish and chip shop or we haven't had a takeaway. There's no takeaways in our village um, for a really, really long time. And also, this is, like, really annoying because the, the kind of localish towns around us 
don't d really deliver to us very much either. So you are kind of like in this no zone if you want a takeaway. It's the same as where I live. I'm right. in a village and there's no takeaways that come here either. But hang on a minute, Suze. I'm sure you've told me that your village has got like five pubs in it or something. It does, yeah. It so does. is it actually five? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got six pubs in your village. You don't need yeah. a takeaway. They're yeah, technically... we've got... You've technically got six takeaways already. <laughs> Do they all serve food? Yes. Oh my, what the hell? <laughs> you've, you've got a pub with six, you've got, sorry, you've got a village with six pubs in it. That's insane. Yeah, it, it, no, it is. They're all owned. No, they're not all owned, sorry. Three of them are owned by the same person. Um, They just do slightly different, they cater for like slightly different things. Um, And then there's some other pubs as well. Yeah, it's actually like a well-known fact, I think, that I think it is a village with the most number of pubs in like that proximity. That Anyways, is nuts. Yeah. So you can literally do a that. pub crawl in your village. Yeah. So on a Good Friday, mm. on Good Friday Easter, there is um, a cycle tour where all the pubs do like a little thing where they're all open and you cycle from pub to pub. I've actually never done it because I can't ride a bike. But that's another story. <laughs> what, you, but, what do you mean you can't ride a bike? I can't bike? ride a bike. I can't ride a bike, no. What do you mean? I can't ride a bike. What, you never learned how? Yeah, I did learn how, but that's another story. If Martin Aki was here, that, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast episode. Like, Oh my God, how have we never spoken about this before? This is much funnier than anything I else. I try not to remember the fact that I can't ride a bike. My dad tried to teach me how to ride a bike. And there's numerous stories about how awful an experience this was for him and me. So much so that now I just like rebel. I'm like, I'm never going on a bike again because it was awful. I might actually learn how to ride a bike because now I've got a child. I'm thinking mm, I probably should like learn. But I think I might actually have to go to actual like lessons. Or get stabilizers, you get mean? Stabilizers. You're right, like adult stabilizers. Yeah. This is hilarious. I didn't know. You're going to tell me now you can't swim as well. I can't swim, no. What are you talking <laughs> <laughs> I can no I can swim no I can swim that's kind of a mini like I can swim but I'm not a very good swimmer I hate swimming and I <laughs> definitely can't ride a bike oh my god this is really I've learned something new about you today <laughs> you can't ride a bike and you can't swim no and you also hate climbing well going up hills I mean, downhills oh downhills well we yeah but to go downhill you have to get up there so you know yeah Oh God, poor Arthur! Yeah. You're going to need to sort some of this stuff out. I know. <laughs> it's not. I'm a really out. unpractical person. <laughs> um, I know. I'm so bad. Your strengths lie in other places, yeah. Susie. Well, you know, you can't, sure be, you, can't, you can't be good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! The thing I'm kind of struggling with anything I'm good at right now. Um, oh, I'll think of anything. I can um, do lots of things. But yeah. Um. <laughs> so yes, the. The bike ride that normally happens in between said pubs, I've never actually done. Maybe I, that could be my challenge, like next year. Maybe I'll learn set yourself how a goal to ride for, a bike. Yeah, so set I yourself can do a goal it. for twenty twenty three. Yeah. Are these places not within walking distance? No. Oh, so it's quite a big village then. Yeah. So the like centre of the village is quite small, and then it it kind of yeah it's because it's semi-rural so then it kind of goes out quite a lot the boundary is oh. quite like far out and there's like still in what you would call the village but it's yeah there's a few oh, um, pubs see. like dotted around on the outskirts got you 
um but we are very spoiled I know that and also I know because like we take it for granted because we have these they and they are amazing pubs oh, that's like, it are they all good as well yes oh um, my god that yeah. is rare so a couple of the uh, three of them are a lot uh, probably a bit nicer but yeah they are very good amazing pubs I'm like one of them has got a mission star like it's an amazing oh pub. my god why have you never invited me up there before because that's been I, my invite I don't know like I've I mean, not been to that pub for ages I've not been to that pub for about two and a half years oh we should do a trip there because it's not really the pub where you take a toddler no fair enough I get that um but, but hey I'm not a toddler well, sub- subject to uh, any rumor, I can behave, I can behave myself in a, a public place. Um, so, yeah, I'll be up for that. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. Um, yeah, because I mean, I live in a village, but I've only got one pub. One. Wow. Yeah. And that's within walking distance. You don't have to get a bike there. So you'll be pleased to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I've just got the old five. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check me out. <laughs> and we've got a chip shop now. So. Gosh, onwards and upwards. I was going to say, say. brilliant. Well, I'm going to a, uh, I'm going to a little uh, soiree myself this evening, actually. Mm. So uh, Tuesday soiree. This could be a new thing. Yeah. Well, so to commemorate and and celebrate, I would say maybe commemorate is not the right word. I usually get this wrong, but let's say celebrate to celebrate the Queen, who we should mention was um, laid to rest yesterday. She was um, quite a momentous occasion. I did watch all coverage from the BBC from about, I don't know, eight in the morning, whenever it started till it finished. Um, the, where I live is holding, um, I live and my landlord, because um, I'm currently renting, is holding some kind of bonfire and a barbecue party. Oh, this is very civilised. I what, know, like, well, it's a send off. Yeah, I think so. Like getting us all together. I would might I might add, like I've lived here now. <laughs> renting temporarily. Yeah, I've rented here since 2016. So it's a very long temporary, six years. Um I've lived here all that time and never been invited to anything. But apparently this is now a worthy occasion to organise an event. So I'm intrigued. So I'll be going along for my uh pork bap. Be intrigued mm. to see what sort of drinks offering there is. So yeah. So that's later. That's my plan for tonight. So you're going to a fish and chip shop opening and I'm going to some sort of like bonfire and a bat party. Well, I think that kind of um, summarises us up pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) What, the two of us? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Basically, we'll go to the opening of anything. So if anybody wants to invite us... Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. ...to anything or any celebration opening if anyone wants a caravan opening i found out today that lisa loves the pomp and ceremony of those types of things oh yeah i love a bit of pomp and ceremony yeah she'll cut a ribbon for you i will yeah i'll cut a ribbon i can throw a bottle of champagne against something so yeah you know that's the way we roll so please let us know email us in at hello at the coachingcast.co.uk yeah um and we'll be there available for christenings weddings bar mitzvahs and funerals and chip shop openings. And chip shop well. openings. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right. Well, on that favourable note, I do love a fish and chip. Let's crack on with today's episode. Let's go. So in today's 
today's episode, we are talking about empowering others. This concept of empowering those in our team is talked about a lot these days, and with good reason, because doing it consistently and successfully is the basis of developing others and creating an engaged, motivated, effective team and work culture. Some of the best leaders have empowerment at the heart of how they lead. As the saying goes, empowered people empower people because it's infectious. But what exactly do we mean by empowerment and empowering others? I know when I first heard this word during my early uh, career of managing people that it got thrown around a lot and often incorrectly, I may add. And I really struggled with it because no one ever helped me as a junior manager to really understand what it meant and how to actually make it happen. I didn't have a clue how to empower others or why I should even bother, actually, because <laughs> no one ever bothered to explain it. So that's what Suze and I are going to address today to help you understand what empowering others means and what it involves and how you can do it. So, Suze, what is your take on empowering others in work? Well, I am a big fan. I am all for it. There are no downsides. That's me. <laughs> That's End it, of the episode. episode. <laughs> the episode, drop the mic. Drop the mic. <laughs> On to bullshit bingo. That's Off it. Go. This must be the quickest episode we've ever done. <laughs> Let's talk about fish and chips again. <laughs> Um, yes, I um, am a massive fan of empowering others. Um, and I used it a lot in my management approach. I did. And I think you're right in what you said there in the intro about actually, you kind of don't really know what it is. Nobody really points it out. I don't think when you start like leading people until you start either seeing it. So people are role modeling it for you and you think, oh, that's a really good way of being managed. I like that. That makes me feel good because they're managing me in a way which is, you know, really collaborative and brings me into the fold. And I feel really listened to and acknowledged. What is that? Like, what, what are they doing that makes me feel like that? And nine times out of 10, that's because they are empowering you. Mm. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how you actually do that in a sec. Um, and when I then started experiencing it, because I had three bosses who were fantastic at doing this at various times in my corporate career. And I really learned off them because they just did it so subtly but they did it so well and so consistently. And I think doing it consistently is quite a key thing mm. as well, because there are times where, you know, you perhaps um, do still need to be there for people to come to you to have support if they have any questions that you can provide answers for them as well. That's really, really important. That opportunity is still present, but also kind of, doing that alongside empowering those that you you work with and for me how like what that actually means is letting people have a contribution letting people have an involvement asking people what they think of things that is what we're talking about here in terms of how you empower others and what it actually means in day-to-day mm. -day work so I mean, a lot of it has kind of links with coaching and obviously you and I are a bit biased because we're coaches. So empowerment is at the center of good coaching practice. Yeah, yeah. 
so we are biased we are you know we love it I do I and, and I even use it in my parenting as well that sounds so like modern but I do mm. so for example you know just to bring that concept to life a little bit more can be something from like you know what do you want for dinner do you want this or do you want this you choose and my little boy will choose and I'm like right so that's I'm empowering him to make that decision by giving him the the options. So that is fundamentally what we mean here is mm. allowing people to have an input into something. Um, and it's so powerful, so yeah. powerful. I think to add to that, the difference that really makes that an empowering experience is then allowing that decision to sit and to unfold so that it actually means so for example in your story there with Arthur it's you saying what would you like for dinner him going I want chips and you going okay what it's not is then saying oh no you can't have that you can't have the chips and getting involved and taking essentially taking it back taking it back and I think that's that's where people have got to be really clear about what we mean because I talk about it like you do in terms of in a work context when you enable an individual to take full responsibility for a piece of work or an initiative or a project. But it's a fine line between enabling someone to have it and then interfering. So it's not, for example, I think some people can say, I've got a manager who just delegates to me and I end up doing all the work. Um, That's not empowering because yes, you're getting somebody involved. Yes. You're giving them uh, work to do. Yes. You're enabling them to go off and do it, but actually it's not empowering if you then don't do that in a way that gives them the space and supports them to have the ability to actually do it. So overloading somebody with loads of work and lots of different pieces of work is actually suffocating because they're not going to practically be able to do all of that. And actually you're just push them into a space of feeling overwhelmed and put upon. And you've got to be so careful with that as a leader that your people then don't actually resent you for it because they turn around and see you, you know, in the opposite space having delegated everything out than just not actually yourself having anything that you're responsible for delivering and not helping them by sharing the load or um does that make sense so like I think you have to like make sure that it's always balanced in your approach when you're doing this that empowering doesn't mean dumping yeah and it doesn't mean delegating everything and just leaving your people to get on with it because I think you you mentioned the word there, like still being available to support, which is so important that actually, yeah, I think you've got to always get that right. And also it, it's that then the other side of things that I was just talking about there when I was talking about Arthur um, and your example um, is it's not, you've got to be careful as well not to micromanage. So you can't support people by saying, look, I'm going to give you the responsibility of this, off you go if you're then going to just constantly interfere Mm. because that's not empowering either the whole point is that you're you empower someone because you trust them to do it and to do it well but you maintain a level of interaction and engagement so that they know there's support there if they need it or they want it but they haven't got you constantly overseeing it 
definitely there's no like I think when you micromanage someone I know we've talked about micromanaging previously in previous episodes but there is nothing more that destroys somebody's like motivation soul confidence than when they are micromanaged yeah. and actually because that becomes then about you micromanage because your desire for control mm. your desire to input your desire to have I don't know, creative responsibility or whatever it is, it actually the focus then re- like turns around and it's then focused on you yeah. rather than the person who is delivering something for you or yeah. having a conversation on behalf of you or whatever it is. Um, and that's not what we're talking about here. Like, no. and so that's a really it's like good the opposite. point. Yeah, it's like the opposite. Exactly. If you want to be the opposite of empowering, be micromanager because that suffocates any form of... Horrid creative thought autonomy yeah diverse thinking diversity inclusion as you just said like it kind of suffocates any sort of inspiration or motivation my point with this always is and I I did have a manager once who had a tendency to micromanage it's insulting that's the first word I would describe it's insulting because actually it's dismisses all your skills your strengths yeah. your experience your capability which I don't think people who micromanage recognize that that's what they're doing and um, that's not their intent but that's the effect of it and it gets to that point where I'm like oh my god why did you employ me and waste all this money on my salary if you were just not going to let me do a job <laughs> or if you thought you could do it better <laughs> like it's just what's the point yeah might as well just fire me now or just let me leave and you can carry on trying to do three jobs <laughs> if that's what you really want to do yeah uh, definitely so, yeah so I mean it might seem obvious this question I guess but why do you think it's so and we might have touched upon it just then actually like why do you think it's so important to empower people <laughs> <laughs> well I think for me very simply actually it's how you get things done like in my experience of it mm. I think you know, when you are empowered, it is such a powerful feeling and a privilege actually in some in depending on the context of which you're operating in at work to um you know have that contribution, have that viewpoint, get involved, have that ownership, get things done, move things forward to your point. And I think um, as a principle, then the reason why that is important is because of the psychology that sits behind it. You know, there's a lot of um, reading out there, a lot of research out there that you know suggests when people have had those things, so have, those things are in place, so whether they've been able to have a contribution, um, been involved, etc., then they have an interest because they feel valued in it and they feel like they're bought into it they've had a contribution into things they're more invested that just mm. comes naturally um and so because of that they're more likely to action things mm. and so fundamentally like yeah it's no more complicated than that it's a really good principle which helps you just get stuff done and move things forward in a way which is really positive for people to work with you and I definitely know that when I was leading people um I this was a big thing at the heart of the way that I 
led so like my leadership style Mm -hmm. I definitely had empowerment at the center of that and I think people who I manage would say that as well I'd like to think um I do feel like I've been very fortunate though in my career to date where as I mentioned briefly before I have seen some good um like line managers who were managing me do this very well so I had some great role models Mm. and I could learn from them because it is quite an intangible thing isn't it that we're talking about here Mm. and I think unless you've experienced it it's quite hard to think like potentially like what are they talking about what does it actually look like Mm. in day-to-day reality what does it mean Mm. and even just in the kind of my line managers like little actions around in meetings like asking for okay so Susie what do you think about this because you're I don't know an expert in this area what's your take on this okay would you how would you feel about taking this forward like that is about kind of empowering people to have a view to take that action and they did that so subtly Mm. and so proactively that until I kind of started learning more about this particular area through my coaching studies I got it and I think that's what we're trying to do here is lift the lid on what it actually is and what it can look like and how you can do it but I was very fortunate because I did work with some people who did it really really well yeah I think you know in terms of recognizing it in action and I think it's a fair point what you're describing but I think it's always remembering that like you have a team of people for a purpose if the job could be done by one person it just would be but it's not because the job is bigger than that Mm. and so you have a team in place to distribute the workload and the responsibility of said workload and as a manager your role is to oversee that to support it to direct it to drive it to deliver it yeah fundamentally you may have the end accountability but you can't achieve that by yourself. That's why you have a team. And so it's thinking about it in those terms and then remembering that that's a key principle of the team and then thinking, so how do I then get this team to actually deliver? Well, if you can't do it all by yourself, it's got to be that everyone shares the workload. So it is about delegating, but it's delegating in a way that people are engaged in what they're being given which is where it comes from, well, how are you going to share out the workload in a way that people buy into that, understand it, and then know what to do with it? It's not just about telling them what to do. It's about getting their brains to think about, well, how am I going to do this? So I think delegation is a big part of this to start with and acknowledging that that's important and relinquishing some of that control because actually that control can, when you do it, it's very freeing. I actually think control is suffocating. I think it's the opposite. I think when you relinquish control, that's when great things happen. Um, you know, yes, you know, you oversee it and you can do that in a way that still gives space to be able to do things mm-hmm. and gives you the confidence that you're aware of what's going on. That's called communicating. There you go. Just start start asking people. But I think delegation is where it starts. I think asking questions and getting people's brains engaged in what they're doing is so important so they start thinking about it and thinking about like you know what do we need to achieve here and how do you think you're going to do it I think that's important and then I think a big part of the success of empowerment and when it works the best is when it's 
administered in environments where people have the space to try things out. Because you and I were fortunate to work together in an organisation that championed giving it a go and just seeing what happens and adopting Carol Dweck's growth mindset principle, which is, you know, it may not be a right now, but it's not a never, it's just a not yet. And, you know, try things out and make a mistake. That's okay as long as you learn from that mistake and you correct yourself as quickly as you can so that you don't repeat it you know we were in that kind of space and I think empowering people and the whole process of empowerment only really thrives in those kind of places where there's the space to try Mm. I think where (laughs) where individuals struggle at times to empower people is where the culture itself doesn't support that because everything has to have been done yesterday mistakes aren't tolerated there's a fear around failure. I think that's where managers can become overwhelmed with, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, so I do think there's got to be certain principles that are at play to then support empowering others. And where, you know, it's, there isn't going to be some really scary negative repercussion if you try it. Yeah, no, definitely. That fear of failure, <clears throat> I think, is a big one in terms of underpinning the success of when you empower people mm-hmm. and actually it being okay for it to you know a mistake to be made or something not to work but you know we've talked about growth mindset before but for you to then learn from it that has to be there as a safety net yeah. if you're gonna really lead with empowerment yeah or if you're gonna be bold enough to try like I think I see a lot of um examples of where and I have done historically as well, where managers are just trying to do everything. Mm. And there's kind of two camps there. There's the camp of a manager, uh, there's a camp where the manager or managers believe that their role is to protect and support and nurture, but that goes over into a space where they then try to do everything and not essentially allow the 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 pressure of the workload or the pressure of work in general to touch their team not realizing that one that's completely doing themselves um a, a disservice because they're just like eroding their energy their yeah it's not sustainable no no quite so and and actually not necessarily realizing that in doing so it's it's not actually helping their team because their yeah. team aren't having the opportunities to try things out, to be challenged, to grow. And they're kind of being protected falsely. So that actually they're not actually engaged with what's going on in the, in the situation. They don't realise that actually that approach is doing the opposite. It's not having a positive impact. Or then you've got the opposite where the managers are in a space where they're taking on everything themselves because they want to have a tight hold on everything because they haven't built the trust up with their team and where they don't feel confident in their team's capability, but they won't take a risk to even try. And they have to have it all held so tightly to for their own peace of mind, because that's the way they're inclined. And then again, they're actually having the same impact on their team and even probably even more negatively. So I think because that team's becoming quite demotivated. So I think you do have to recognize at times how you yourself as a manager are behaving thinking Mm. what your natural approach would be 
and even challenge yourself on that and go well how is this serving the team and myself and even the company because it's it's just so inefficient I just think it's such a waste of even if you want to go really like crass it's even such a waste of cash like it's just that's not Mm. that's not the way an effective business is run so you talk about Suze your experience of empowerment and being empowered and how you adopted that yourself as much as you could with your own teams so how did you do it like how did you enable people to feel empowered well the first thing I did was I just asked the same question quite a lot and that question is nothing particularly complicated and it is okay what do you think and to be clear, that's not about deflecting responsibility. That's not about just suddenly saying, right, delegation, that's now your ownership. I'm not yeah. saying that yeah. here. I'm just like saying- Like I said, like, watch the fine line, people. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, if you've got a problem, a work, like a problem. So, like, let's bring this to life. So, I had a problem in my team. Um, there was a particular issue around- um, our reporting system we just moved to a brand new online reporting system it didn't work very well there was some like uh, issues with it so I just wrote that problem up on a flip chart one day like randomly and oh, I was like flip chart Mr flip chart oh flip chart now you can do it on a digital whiteboard if you know with the or, times <laughs> a practical whiteboard if you don't. or if you want a small whiteboard <laughs> off Amazon or other online providers as we do with our whiteboard Wednesdays yeah. um if you want to so, read yeah, that experience exactly I just happened to write up one day when we were all together and I was like this is the problem this is the challenge we're facing like right let's go through one to one one-to-one so this person what do you think the issue is here and what's the solution right okay that's really good there's some good ideas there thanks for sharing capture those okay next person what do you think Mm. like and you know I went through that like one by one we captured some of that and then I looked at it and I was like okay well I think we've got a plan here actually and then we went on to that kind of next step that action stage of like who's doing what and actually what I found is that people then started to volunteer for some stuff because they'd had an input into it yeah. already. And that and engagement's the, there. You've got yeah. the brain going, like the brain's going, people yeah. come up with ideas, you know. That's that's so great. It's creating that like creative space and the space to think and encouraging everyone to get involved. Yeah. So for me, I think, you know, that is a very simple way of how you start to do it. It's just mm. taking a second to kind of pose that question and posing that question does not then mean that you are delegating at that point remember that's not what we're saying here but asking and posing that question for me worked really simply and really beautifully and it's something that I would highly recommend and I think the other thing as well is it's you know if you're struggling with doing this or your your natural preference is to hold on to stuff you know to maybe not necessarily at the extent of micromanaging but you think I can do it because I'll do it best I'll do it well I'll do it to the standard that's needed because there's lots Mm. of other stuff going on and I just know how to do it it'll be quicker etc like okay yes there is an element of that that is valid and and true but actually just take a second and think about well how will me doing this make the other person feel Mm. because if it's something that somebody else you know very passionate about or very good at or you know could help you with 
how would that other person feel if I was to crack on and just do this myself now Mm. and actually the answer to that is probably like well a bit annoyed or not great or actually that might really disengage them or whatever it is then that's when you stop and think about okay could I change my approach here to perhaps be one that involves empowering them a bit more before I just take it all on myself and crack on so there would be the two things I'd say that has worked for me in how to make um those that I've worked with and also the experience of myself being empowered um how to put that at the heart of what you do yeah and I think it's thinking in those moments so that moment you just put there about if you're in that space where you're like, I'm just going to do this myself and sort of catching yourself and stopping and saying, well, actually, how will that make others feel? I think as well, the other way to look at that is actually thinking about it in terms of what are the learning opportunities here for my team if I were to give them? Because I think, you know, a big role of leadership is enabling and supporting others to develop and development comes through learning. Well, learning only comes from trying new things and yeah. being involved in experiences that give those opportunities. So I think that's also another way to think about it. It's not just, well, how will this make them feel? I think it's even before that, which is what are the learning opportunities here for my team that I could actually offer mm-hmm. and giving them out. Because it's if if you if you're not in the space where that's important for you and your learning or you don't need it, give it to somebody else to do. So I think that's quite important. I also think it's like, what's the worst that could happen if they did it? Mm. I mean, it's just, I would I would suspect in most cases, nothing bad. That's why it's like, well, just stop then and let them try. What's the worst that could happen from them trying? They do a really good job and they get a lot out of it and then they're able to do it next time. You know, it's it's the it's the knock-on effect of that. Yeah, I think pushing also, people out of their comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Well. I think also the big thing here that we haven't actually said is simply asking the question, what do you want to do? Like, I know I used to work in organisations that love to, in inverted comments, empower other people. Well, they empower people in their approach by telling us what we were going to do. It's like the opposite of empowerment. <laughs> if you're starting to tell someone how to do something or what they're going to do, you're not empowering them. So you ain't just, empowering. No, so stop telling. No. But equally, it was that <laughs> there was often a complete disconnect between the task and actually what I wanted to do. Now, don't get me wrong. In business and in any role that you do, there's likely to be certain elements that you've just got to suck up and say, right, it's not necessarily what I'd like to do, but it's a requirement of the job. Um and so I've just got to crack on and do it. Obviously, if that happens too often, you're probably in the wrong job if you don't like any of what you're being asked to do. Yeah. But, you know, there's not going to always be 100% of the time things that you're like, oh, I love doing this. It's just a consequence of what the job expects and requires. But equally, someone asking me constantly to do things and rather, sorry, telling me what to do and it being fundamentally something I didn't enjoy doing and it wasn't aligned to my strengths, that is not empowering. But it was happening in some roles I've had historically quite often. Um, And again, it's no one ever asked me, what do you enjoy doing? What do you want to do? What do you want to do more of? You know, and and actually that in itself can be quite an empowering conversation when someone asks you that question, listens to the answer and then helps you to do it. (laughs) You're like, oh, brilliant. I'm actually being empowered to do the things that I'm good at and that I'd like to do. So I think it's thinking about that as well.
It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo is from one of our followers on LinkedIn, and it is the optics. Lisa, thoughts on this one? I don't get it. <laughs> the only optics I know are... I know what you're going to say. The optics behind a bar. I knew you were going to say that. Bingo! That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> so I haven't got a clue about this one. I've never heard it in a corporate setting. I've no idea what it means in a corporate setting. I don't... I just never... I don't get it. Yes, yeah, so I've heard this being used. The optics. Um, I've used it, I've not used it, sorry, myself, but I've heard it being used in the context of metrics, so like KPIs, um, metrics, the deliverables, that type of thing. So the optics, I don't actually know if that's what it means, but that's what I've heard it being used in the context of. Well, so, what a load of bullshit. That's a, This has got to be one of the best ones we've ever had on that basis. <laughs> why would you just not say the objectives or the targets? or We don't need any more terms for that. <laughs> so, yeah, let's keep this one short and sweet today then because this one's absolute nonsense. So thanks for sharing whoever shared it, but I don't even understand it. And if anyone said it to me, I would literally go, huh? Okay. Right. Terrible. Absolutely awful. What a load of nonsense. It's a pure so, bullshit bingo, that It's one. a pure bullshit bingo. Pure. Purest pure. of the pure. Thank you it's so much. Pure. We love it. Yeah. And if you've got any that can top that one for nonsense, um, then please do send your bullshit bingos to hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. So we are coming to the end of today's episode where Susie and I have been discussing our experience of empowering others and being empowered ourselves and what to do and what not to do. So we've collated our top tips for you from the episode. Here they are on the jazzy whiteboard. Don't have a flip chart. We've got a whiteboard. Modernised whiteboard there. Modernised whiteboard. So number one is ask the question, what do you think? to really involve and engage those you work with or those that you lead. Just get the conversation started with them. Straight away, you're starting to get them to think ideas that will support being able to empower them. Number two, as a manager, really consider the learning opportunities for your team and how by delegating to them, they're going to stretch their capabilities, challenge their comfort zones, just have a space where they can try things out for the first time. That'll really help them to grab that learning and to feel empowered um, and really operate in that growth mindset space. So this requires you to support people to just give things a try and to not be afraid of failing. Number three, really ask yourself, do I have to do this? So when the piece of work comes along and potentially your instinct is just to jump on it and get it done, just stop yourself and think, well, do I have to do this or could I give this as a learning opportunity to somebody else? So that plays into the previous point. And if you're feeling uncertain, really challenge yourself. Ask the question, what is the worst that could happen if you ask somebody else to do this? I'm pretty certain nothing that is going to be that bad. Number four, put yourself in their shoes and really think about how they may feel. So 
do this with yourself. If you're thinking that your instinct is to jump on and just grab the task, think about how that may feel, make another person feel. Because actually, if that's suffocating them, that's not a good space to be in. And lastly, don't tell, ask. So it's a bit of a theme from Susie and I, because we do like to really utilize that coaching principle of being curious. But don't tell somebody how to do something. Ask them how they're going to do it and support them to feel engaged and empowered. So as well as our top tips, we've also got some coaching questions for you to try on yourself. So number one, when did you last feel empowered? What can you learn from this and how this was achieved to try for yourself with someone else? Number two, what action will you take to make this happen and when? So really hold yourself accountable. Number three, how will you ensure that you empower others more consistently? And really try and adopt this in your leadership style. And if you're concerned about doing this, consider, as I've said before, what is the worst that could happen? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these, both the top tips and the questions. These will be on our Instagram page at the coaching cast this week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we love hearing from you, our CBBs. And you can do this and contact us in three ways. On email, hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. On Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website as well, thecoachingcast.co.uk. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us grow this podcast, please, please do us a favour. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these reviews are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen. And also give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch each of these episodes on our YouTube channel and also on our website. All you need to do to find us on YouTube is to search for The Coaching Cast. And you can see our lovely faces. Lovely faces, yes. (laughs) that is very true we both love music and use it to motivate and energize us so we like to finish every single episode of the coaching cast with our personal song recommendation which hopefully gives you a bit of extra positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting whether that's face-to-face or virtual it's my turn this week and I'm completely obsessed with the pop star self-esteem who I've only just stumbled upon through one of my best mates who recommended I listen to her album, Prioritise Pleasure. It is amazing. And so I've picked one of her tracks, which is I Do This All The Time. Uh, I highly recommend you go and listen to it. It's, it is awesome. She's got a real like positive, like empowering, actually. That is actually really good. She's got an empowering message in nearly all her songs. So I amazing. highly recommend you go check it out. Oh, I will do. Go check it out, Suze. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here, CBBs. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great week. And remember, you've got this.